At some point, time will be the great exposer of who I am and who you are. So who are you? No, actually, whose are you? Who do you belong to? Who owns you? Because who owns you will dictate whether you're contending or pretending for the faith. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we just come before you today, and oh God, we cry out to you, we love you. We pray that your word would speak. God, I pray that we would bow the knee to you and yield to you today and surrender everything to you, that your word might go forth in such a powerful way in our lives as our lives preach a message. Oh God, that I pray that many will come to the cross of Jesus Christ. God, I pray you move me behind the shadows of the cross. I pray that I would decrease while you increase. And I pray that as you speak through me and beyond me, I pray that many would hear clearly as the power of the Holy Spirit illuminates in their minds and their hearts and their souls even right now. And oh God, we'll be quick to give you all the praise, to give you all the glory. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus. Amen. Take your Bible and turn to Jude, looking at Jude verses 3 through 4 today, continuing our study in this great topic of battling for the truth. You know we're in a war, I know we're in a war, and the war is for the truth in our culture. And yet we know this confidently, that in the midst of the battle, that the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? We know this confidently that the light doesn't shine the brightest where it's already the brightest, but where it's the darkest. And so in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of where there's so much going on against God, against His Word, those that hate the name of Jesus, we know this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ will not be chained. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of my God stands forever. And the word will not return void. And so here in Jude 3 through 4 today, the title of the message is simply this Contending for the Faith. Contending for the Faith. Before I read the text, let me ask you the question this way Are you a contender for the faith? Or are you a pretender for the faith? Are you contending or are you pretending? Well, here's what God's Word says in Jude 3 through 4. Jude writes, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now look at verse 4. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And may God add His blessings to the reading to the exalting, and to the heralding of His Word. Amen? Here in verse 3 of Jude, we see very clearly that Jude comes out of the gate, out of the chute, and he says this, Beloved, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, that's for those who are truly saved, there's a shared community there, there's a commonality, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. 
This beloved is so important because he's showing his affection. We need to love one another. Our world needs love. Amen. We need to no longer have this dislove towards one another, but we need to have a true agape or agape love that says, I love you in spite of. And in the midst of this, as he's going forth and saying, look, I want you to know that you are beloved. I treasure you. I value you is what Jude is saying to the reader then, to the reader today, who's truly a child of the king. He says, beloved, I was going to write to you about this great common salvation. It was going to be awesome. Man, we were going to talk about the glorious riches, which is only found in Christ Jesus. And then all of a sudden he switches gears. He says, I found it necessary to write to you to do what? To exhort you that you might contend earnestly for this faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. See, he found it necessary. He was compelled. Something happened. There was obviously this great issue on the doorstep of the front porch of where Jude is writing from. And he's saying, look, I was going in this direction to celebrate, to encourage about the most glorious, wonderful story that happened on Calvary. And his name is Jesus Christ. And oh, wait a minute. Warning, warning, warning. I got to switch gears and I got to warn you about something. In other words, this, he's saying, look, there's a problem. We got to deal with it. This is so critical because the enemy loves to plant seeds, seeds of discord, seeds of disunity, lies. We know this. He is the father of all lies. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Everything he does is about a lie. And we need men and women who are so grounded in the word, so full of the Holy Spirit, that when Satan's cohorts, when his demons, when his folks in the flesh, human beings that are working for him, begin to infiltrate homes and churches, we need men and women that are so grounded in the word of God that they can simply say this, wait a minute, time out. I got to urge you. I got to encourage you. I have to compel you. There is something invading you that's not of God. And you need to hear that you need to go do something about it now. See, so many times that happens in our homes, doesn't it? There's so much breakdown. Relationships get damaged. There's issues. There's sin. There's rebellion. And so many times it just gets swept under the rug and we hope that it's magically going to go away. But if I close my eyes, maybe it'll go away. If I cross my fingers and cross my toes, maybe it'll go away. It's not going anywhere. Matter of fact, it's going to get worse. Infections that are not dealt with get worse. Sin that's not dealt with gets worse. And Jude is saying, look, I found it necessary. I found it mission critical. I got to write to you and warn you and warn you and warn you that what is approaching is going to destroy and kill all in its path unless you deal with it now. And with that, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now that you need to deal with? What is it that you've been avoiding that you need to confront? What is it right now that you have been saying, I will do it later, I will do it tomorrow, even say this, let me pray about it. And what happens is we begin to use prayer as an excuse for disobeying God often, don't we? Oh, you know my heart about prayer. I'm passionate about prayer. We should pray about everything. But there's times where God says, I want you to take action. And if we're not careful, we can substitute praying for simply obeying. See, Jude found it necessary to exhort them, yes, to encourage them, but to warn them. Listen, listen closely. What is he asking them to contend for? He's saying, I want you to contend earnestly for the faith. What does it mean to contend? Well, here in the original language, it means this, to fight, to wrestle, to grapple with, or to grapple for. I mean, picture that. 
See, the truth of the gospel, the content of the word of God, that is the common salvation of us Christians, which was once for all delivered, that canon of the word of God that has total authority, it's not progressive, it's not ever-evolving like so many people think it is. We're never going to win a lost and dying world by endorsing a lost and dying world sin. People who are sick don't need to be coddled in their sickness. People who are sick need to be given medicine so that they are set free and healed. See, God's Word is clear that God is storing up the wrath, His wrath for the day to come. God's not going to turn a blind eye to my sin. What He's going to do for me, because I'm saved, I've given my life to Christ, He's going to look to the blood of Christ on that day of judgment, and He's not going to see my sin for what it is, I am truly justified, I am redeemed, I am purchased, I have been bought back by the imputing blood of Jesus Christ that Christ said, here, let me give you my righteousness, you give me your sin as you're giving me your life, and that is the great exchange we call it. God will look at me and I pray he will look at you on that day and he will say, look, I am looking at you and you should be condemned. You should pay the price. And yet here's the deal. My son stood in the gap for you. He took your penalty. He took your place. He's absorbed my wrath. Oh, you are set free. You have been pardoned. You've been released only by the righteous royal blood of Jesus. And Judah's saying, look, we have to wrestle for, we got to contend for, we got to stand for the truth of God's word. This is not the time to bend, buckle, and break. If there was ever a time to stand tall for the gospel, it is now. And we're to do this, don't miss this, church. We're to do this continuously. We don't contend earnestly for the faith once. And then go, well, I'm glad I got that over with. No, this is not a one-time deal. This is a lifetime deal. That as the Word of God has washed over our minds and our hearts and our souls, we contend earnestly on an ongoing basis as we're being sanctified and we press onward towards glorification in Christ Jesus our Lord. Have you ever thought about it like this? Let me bring some practicality to this. We typically struggle for, fight for, and stand for the things which really have great value to us. True? I don't know about you, but if you love your family like I love my family, man, you will stand for, you will wrestle for, you will grapple for, you will struggle for, you will do everything you need to do to protect your family. Because they have great value to us. I guess the real question is, how great a value does the truth of God's word have to us? How great is the value of the truth of God's word to us? See, in order to contend for the truth, We must know the truth and be a self-feeder of the word. It's impossible to contend for something that you're not truly understanding and knowing even what it is. We must be a self-feeder. It's the true Christian's personal responsibility. It's my responsibility and your responsibility individually to study and to internalize the truth of God's word. See, that way you can defend it. You can declare it. And you can contend for it. But if you're not in the Word, and if the Word is not in you, how will you be able to stand for something that's not in you and you're not in it? It doesn't even make logical sense. So that's why key number one is this. Write it down in your notes. Key number one. If I'm going to battle for the truth, I must contend earnestly for the faith and embrace that a spiritual war is raging. Key number one, write this down. If I'm going to battle for the truth, I must contend earnestly 
for the faith and embrace that a spiritual war is raging. See, we must contend for the faith because there are those out there, even inside churches, that are contending against the faith. You have to remember that the enemy goes where he's going to get the biggest return on his investment. He's hanging out where God is doing his work. Where God is working, Satan is also trying to work, and he's trying to work against how God is working. So whether it be your home, or your business, or your ball team, or your church, if you are pursuing Christ, His glory, if you're pursuing the Word of God and prayer, if you're pursuing making disciples of Jesus, if you're pursuing missions and taking the gospel to your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, and the utter ends of the earth, if you're pursuing those things, Satan is going to do everything he can to come against you. He's going to empty every quiver fiery darts he has. He's not going to sit back and go, okay, fine, go ahead and do what you need to do. No, he's going to do everything in his power to keep you from leading your family, from leading your business, from leading your team, from leading your church into holiness with God. Don't miss this, brothers and sisters. Don't miss this. Satan has a gospel too. Oh, he's got a gospel. It's counterfeit, but it's his version. See, if you're not contending, you're pretending. There are only two options in this life. You're either contending for the faith or you're not contending and you're really pretending as you're working for the enemy. Are you contending or are you pretending? That's the question we have to address today. As Jude implores us and says, look, I'm going to write to you about this glorious truth of the gospel. Oh, wait a minute, time out. Boop, 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 boop. Warning, 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 warning. I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to warn you about what's infiltrating your church. You must be contending, not pretending, is what he's saying. And how will we be victorious in the battle? if we don't even know there's a battle going on. See, contending for something is not passive. It's not apathetic, and it's not indifferent. Contending for the faith is focused. It's intentional. It's dialed in. And yet I see this happen so many times throughout my years of ministry, especially in men's ministry. But in your life, in your home, in your church, don't justify a lack of progress in obeying the Lord and becoming more like Jesus with the let's be patient and let's just wait on the Lord excuse. Oh, please don't misquote. Please don't mishear. Should we be patient? Amen. Should we wait on the Lord? Amen. But as I mentioned earlier, so many times we use spiritual justification for simply disobeying God. Many times we get lazy. Many times we get apathetic. Many times we build up walls. We've been hurt. We've been wounded. And we begin to build up walls. And then we justify it with a spiritual answer. And we're simply living in sin. We're simply disobeying. Our necks have been stiffened. Our hearts have been hardened. How will you contend for something that you truly have never given your life to? It's absolutely impossible. We contend for those things. We contend for those people. We will contend for the gospel when we've really given our life to it. When those things, those people have great value to us, we will fight for, we will stand in the gap for. Oh, question for you and me today. Are we contending or are we pretending? Think about 2 Timothy chapter 4. Write it down. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 5. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Paul gives this incredible admonition, this incredible exhortation to young Timothy when he says these words. He says this, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Here we go. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. When it's popular and when it's not, is what he's saying. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Now look at verse 3. Here we go. Verse 3. 
For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Oh, if there ever was a time where we will not endure sound doctrine, it is now. We are in a battle for the truth. We're in a battle for the Bible. But remember, we know this, the battle belongs to the Lord. His word will not return void. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And then Paul goes on and says, but according to their own desires, according to their me-centeredness is what he's saying, according to not their theology, but according to their meology, according to their own wicked desires, what will they do? Because they have itching ears. Oh, man, they want to hear what they want to hear. They want to be tickled. They want to be coddled into their sin. Man, they want to be comfortable in their sin. They want Jesus and they want the world. And they want both. So what are they going to do? They will heap up for themselves. Me. Me, me, and more me. I love my sin. And I'm going to heap up for myself a teacher that will tell me what I want to hear. And they will do what the text says in verse 4? And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, Paul says to Timothy, but you, to us today, but you, be what? Watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Oh, dear one, today, my heart's cry is simply this for you and me. How will we know what's false if we are not anchored to the Word of God, which is the only truth? Because the time is now. We see it. Utter nonsense going on in our culture. Utter nonsense. Of people rebelling against the truth of God's Word. So deceived, so deluded. They're just heaping up for themselves teachers that will tickle the ears. They're turned aside to fairy tales is what they are. A bunch of fairy tales going around. Oh, we don't need fairy tales. We don't need sermonettes that are producing Christianettes. We need the Word of God that goes forth in power, in truth, in all its splendor, and all its glory. That's what will transform the hearts of all those people you know that are hurting and dying, and perhaps your heart even today. I know what you're thinking, though. You're thinking, can you give me an example? Can you give me an example in Scripture of someone who contended earnestly for the faith? Well, I can think of several, but the one that comes to my mind right now is Jeremiah. Write down Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 11. That should be easy to remember. Jeremiah 20, 7, 11. Here's what it says, and this is all about his unpopular ministry. And not him signing autographs, doing book deals, shooting movie scenes, flying around in his Learjet all under the name of Jesus. And supposedly Jesus is the center and the focal point of the ministry. No, here's Jeremiah, lowly Jeremiah, the prophet. Verse 7 of 20, here's what it says of Jeremiah. Oh, Lord, you have induced me, and I was persuaded. I love that. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. Amen to that. I am in derision daily. I am literally, Jeremiah says, the laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out, I shouted, violence and plunder, because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Well, he's suffering hard, isn't he? I mean, he's preaching the gospel. He's sharing the good news. He's pointing people to the one as they look towards the cross. And what happens here? Man, he's being rejected. He's being abandoned. People want to kill him. And then I said, verse 9, I will not make mention of him, capital H, nor speak any more in his name, capital H. Now look at the twist. Look at the turn. Look at the contending, wrestling, fighting for, standing for the faith in the same verse. 
But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. For I heard many mocking fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report it. All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying, perhaps he can be induced. Then we will prevail against him, and we will take our revenge on him. Now look at verse 11. Here we go. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble, and they will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. Wow. Jeremiah is one who wasn't a pretender, even though he struggled, even though he grappled like we all do as we walk with Christ. He contended for the faith. That was once for all delivered to the saints. You may be saying, preacher, I'm not a preacher. This doesn't apply to me. Oh, I beg to differ. Oh, how I beg to differ. Whether we like it or not, all of our lives, all of us, we're either preaching a sermon that is pointing people to Christ or away from Christ. Which one are you preaching? Which one is your life preaching? Are you contending for the faith, or is the reality today that you're really a phony baloney and you're pretending for the faith? I pray if you're listening today and that's you, I pray that you'll confess right now. I pray that you will repent right now and turn from that and begin to live a life for Christ that no longer pretends, that no longer is an imposter. That's no longer a counterfeit, but one that's contending all the days of your life. Because the reality is this, and I apply this to me as well. Time is the great exposer of who we all really are. Oh, time is the great exposer of who we all really are. If we are living a charade... We can only keep up the charade for so long. At some point, if we're pretending for the faith, at some point it will be revealed that we're really not contending for the faith. How about you? Are you contending or are you pretending? H.B. Charles said it like this, We must defend this efficiency and inspiration of the word. By simply preaching the word, that is the central and definitive function of the church. It is essential to all the church is and does, end quote. Oh, we must be contending. I urge you today, I urge me today to contend. Think about this for a moment. Anyone like to go on cruises, on big cruise ships? Okay. Big cruise ships, boy, they're a lot of fun, aren't they? You know, it's amazing what goes on with the big cruise ships, isn't it? Boy, you're out there and you're having a good time and midnight buffets, amen? Those are from the Lord, man. The Holy Spirit just hovers over those. You know, as once said like this, that those big ships, they don't sink because of the water that's around them. They sink because of the water that gets within them. Isn't that so true? They don't sink because of the water that's around them. They're floating on the water. They sink because somehow the water begins to infiltrate. It creeps in unnoticed. And before you know it, the ship is sinking. And there's so many homes and churches in our country today that are professing to be contending for the faith but they're really pretending because on the upper deck of their cruise ship of their life, of their home, of their church, everything looks like fun. There's beach balls. There's swimming pools. It's a great time. But what they don't realize as they pretend and not actually contend is that one level below the deck the whole ship is filling up with water. 
See, that's how the enemy works. He's much more patient than we will ever be. Oh, go ahead and play on the deck of your life, he says. Go ahead and pretend for Jesus. Go ahead and do what you want to do. Live your life. It's your life. You don't need theology. You need meology. All the while, our lives, our homes, our churches are filling up with water, and we don't even know it until it's too late. Oh, brothers and sisters, today, like Jude said, I implore me and I implore you, oh, it's high time that we contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Because lives and homes and churches do not implode because of the deception around them. They implode because of the deception that gets within them. It's not an erosion of the truth from the outside. Oh, no, 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 no. It's an erosion of the truth from the inside. One small compromise of the truth, just one small leads to a series of much larger compromises. And the first compromise is so difficult, but then number two and number three and number 20 become so easy. As these series of compromises of the truth become catastrophic and many times fatal to the spiritual life of an individual, a home, and a church. Regarding Scripture, my dad would always say, it's either absolute or it's obsolete. It's either all true or it's not true. See, we're either truly contending or we're really pretending. Which one are you doing today? As I pray, the Holy Spirit is speaking in a powerful way to my life and your life at this very moment. Don't ride the fence. Satan owns the fence. He owns the title deed to that track of land. Oh, fall one way or the other, and I pray you fall on the side called Jesus. And watch him work in your life and use you in a mighty way to bring glory and fame to his name as you contend and wrestle and fight for and stand in the gap for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So why is Jude shifting from continuing with this common salvation that is so glorious to talk about? Why? Why is he now all of a sudden imploring them? What's the real why behind this? Why is he imploring the reader then and the reader now? Why? Why is he imploring us to contend, to wrestle, to fight for this faith that's only in Christ? Why? What's the big why? Well, here's the point. Here's the why. Look at verse 4. Jude 4 says it like this. For certain men have crept in unnoticed too long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. For certain men, false teachers, if you will, have crept in unnoticed. They've snuck in. They've they've settled in. They've taken up residence in a stealth manner. This has been a covert operation. See, when Satan attempts to destroy your life, your home, your church, he doesn't pull up in the front parking space, get out of the car, walk up the front sidewalk to the front door, ring the doorbell, and say, Hello, I'm here. That's not what he does. He's way too cunning. He's way too slithery. He's way too cowardly 
to do that. Oh, he's going to creep in unnoticed. And the question for you and me is are we so deep in the Word and the Word in us that as He attempts to creep into our lives, will we know what's false because we first know what's true? Are you contending for the faith? Or are you pretending for the faith? So you've got to remember that the false teachers in Jude's day and the false teachers in our day have this in common. They appear to be biblical. I believe that we live in the most biblically illiterate generation of all time, and here's my argument for this. We have access to more Bible-based resources than ever before. The internet, social media, all of these things can promote and take good, godly truth from God's Word and promote it and spread it like never before. And yet the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy takes those same vehicles, those same avenues, and he uses those not for God's praise, but for his own praise. Because we got 10,080 minutes in every week. And the question for me and you today is how many of those minutes do we spend diving deep into God's Word? How many of those minutes do we spend in deep, fervent prayer? How many minutes do we spend of those minutes in deep biblical discipleship? See, the reality is we really do what we really want to do, amen? And if we're not hungering, if we're not thirsting, If we're not like the psalmist who said, oh, as the deer pants for the water, my God, oh, my soul longs after you. If we're not panting for Him, if we're not hungry, if we're not thirsty for Him, oh, we're pretending, we're not contending. See, these false teachers, these false converts in Jude's day were marked out long ago for this condemnation. They were designated, they were ordained for this, is what that means, this damnation. Ungodly men, wicked men, evil, selfish motives, enemies of God, and especially today, enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. You can today say God and people don't get too offended, but when you cast the name of Jesus out on the table, woo, man, that's going to ruffle some feathers. There is something about the name of Jesus And the haters of Christ will come out when His name is high and lifted up. Why? Because John tells us in chapter 3, men love the darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil and they're going to be exposed. Remember, we can only keep up the charade for so long. At some point, time will be the great exposer of who I am and who you are. So who are you? No, actually, whose are you? Who do you belong to? Who owns you? Because who owns you will dictate whether you're contending or pretending for the faith. And what did these guys do then and what do they do today? They turn the grace of God into lewdness is what verse 4 says. Literally, they transfer, they exchange, they change size, they pervert, if you will, into sensual and doctrinal sin without shame. There's no conscience because their conscience has been seared. It has literally been broken off. It's been broken in two. It has been severed in half. As they flaunt God's grace. As though His grace is some license to sin. And what happens is it stretches into that antinomianism. Ah, there's no obligation to obey God's moral law. Hey, we're saved by grace. Go do what you want. Go partay. That's not how this works. A life that has truly been redeemed, a life that has truly been given to Christ, doesn't want to sin any longer. 
It repels that person. It makes that person feel disgusted. I don't want to live in that cesspool. I don't live in that sewer any longer. The person who has not truly given their life to Christ. The false convert. The one who is pretending for the faith is the one that can sin easily with a smile. Do it joyfully. All while professing the name of Jesus. And again, that's just simply not how the Christian life works. Don't ever go down the road while you're living in sin, while I'm living in sin, and say, Jesus loves me just the way I am. Really? He loves you just the way you are. Let me get this straight. He was executed on a cruel Roman cross so that you could remain the same? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, He loves you enough that He's died for you and died in your place. That's a true statement. But He loves you so much and hates your sin so much that He does not want you, does not want me to remain the same that we are. That's the whole point of sanctification, Romans 8.29, being conformed to His image, not our own image, being conformed to Christ's image, not the world's image. He didn't die to get slaughtered on a cruel Roman cross so that He can be our friend with benefits. Hey, go do what you want. Abuse me. Fool around on me. Go live in your sin. I love you just the way you are. Really? That's not truth. That's deception is what that is. He has called us to live a holy life, a pure life, a life surrendered to Him. And the bottom line is this, we can't do it. It's only by His power, by His grace, by His mercy that we're able to accomplish any of this. But don't. Don't turn the grace of God into an excuse and a rationalization for a license to sin. That's simply not of the Lord. That's of the enemy. Oh, church, we must beware. Oh, church, we must be on our guard. Because what have we learned from this text about apostates? Well, you see at least three things right here quickly. That in their moral and their doctrinal apostasy... Here's what is revealed. They are ungodly. Number two, they turn the grace of God into lewdness. And back in that day, you've got to remember all the Gnosticism that went around. And the body was evil, and it did not matter what you did with your body. So just go out and do whatever you want. Again, utter deception, utter delusion. And then number three, they deny God. And they deny Jesus. See, Satan from the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden, challenged, attacked, and he assaulted the truth. It's what he does. And he hasn't stopped since. Here's his tactic. Plant a seed of doubt in our minds about the truth of God's Word by simply asking this question in some way, shape, or form. He'll say this in my life and your life. Did God really say... And now we have the seed that's planted in the circus between our ears, the battlefield of the mind. Before we know it, we've taken the lure. We're now running with the lure. As we're now believing the lie. As we have now exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And we're living in deception and delusion. And we have to remember, church, We've got to remember that Satan is the father of all lies. He's a liar from the beginning. He's poison. He's toxic. He will do everything he can to take you and me and try to get us to apostate, to abandon the truth. Oh, are you contending for the faith today? Or is the reality you're pretending for the faith today? See, that's why key number two, I want you to write this down, key number two. If I am going to battle for the truth, I cannot be spiritually asleep at the wheel. 
Let me say that again. Key number two, and I want you to write it down. Key number two. If I'm going to battle for the truth, I cannot be spiritually asleep at the wheel. We must be living out 1 Peter 5.8. We must be living this out. Be sober, be clear-minded, be vigilant, be on your guard. Why? The devil, your adversary, he's not your buddy, he's not your friend, he's not some little guy in a red suit, funny eyebrows, goatee, and a pitchfork. That's not who he is. He's your adversary. He hates you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you and your home and your church. The devil, your adversary, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. He's not looking to play patty cake. He's not looking to play Uno. He's not looking to play Yahtzee. He wants to utterly decimate you. Because he hates God. He hates Christ. And for those who follow God and live for the King, he wants to utterly destroy you. We must be on our guard. Because he prowls around. He's looking for a chink in my armor. He's looking for a chink in your armor. Oh, we must be on our guard against our weaknesses. Our greatest strength is always our greatest weakness. Whatever your greatest strength is, whatever my greatest strength is, is always my greatest weakness. You say, why do you say that? Well, whatever we are good at, whatever we are gifted at, is going to be a hotbed to grow a massive field of pride. It is going to be soil that is so fertile, that is so ready to grow stalks of pride in our lives. And we must be on our guard because the enemy will creep into our lives unnoticed. Stealth, covert, with one mission. To utterly, utterly destroy our pursuit of Christ. One of the most demonic humans that has ever lived was Adolf Hitler. Demonic to the core. An agent of Satan. And here's what he said. He said, make the lie big. Say it over and over again. And eventually they will believe it. Boy, that sounds like the enemy himself, doesn't it? Boy, he makes the lies really big in our lives. And no one lies to us better than we lie to ourselves. No one believes the lies that we tell ourselves more than we believe the lies that we tell ourselves. Just make the lie big. Keep repeating it over and over. And we do that in our minds, don't we? Over and over, we repeat the lies. And eventually, we do, don't we? Eventually, we believe it. See, do you understand why it's so important that we contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints? Do you see why it's so important that we're grounded in God's Word? There's lies and deception everywhere we are. And if we're not anchored to the truth of God's Word, we will bend, we will buckle, we will give in. How will you know what's false if you first don't know what's true? And it's the Word of God. You see, I've never met one person to date, not one, not one, who is walking in true biblical joy and this victory has just permeated every area of their lives who has somehow partially given their life to Jesus. See, I've never met one person to date, not one, who's walking in true biblical joy, who's walking in great victory in their lives, who has partially given their lives to Jesus. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, man, I see you have a lot of biblical joy in your life. That's great. I see you have great victory in your life. That's wonderful. How do you do it? Well, here's the secret. I've partially given my life to Jesus. Of course not. No, the people that have true biblical joy, true biblical victory, are the ones that have surrendered everything to Christ. Oh, they live out Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. So the question for me and you right now is simply this. 
Are we contending for the faith? Or are we pretending for the faith? See, Matthew tells it like this in chapter 13, verse 25. He simply says this, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his fields, but while men slept, don't miss that, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Oh, don't miss that key verse, Matthew 13, verse 25. While men slept, while they were spiritually asleep at the wheel, the enemy came in. He crept in unnoticed. It was stealth. It was covert. And what happened? He sowed tares among the wheat. Oh, we got to be on our guard because as was once said, when the wolf gets in the sheep's pen, who decides what's for lunch? If we are pretending... Your life, your home, and your church will get destroyed. But when we contend for the faith and we stand tall for the gospel, those are the lives and those are the homes and those are the churches that will withstand the storm of life as the enemy pummels your sails, pummels your shield of faith with every fiery dart. Romans chapter 1 says it like this in verse 21 through 25. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile, don't miss that, in their thoughts. Here we go, battlefield of the mind. And their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise. You could say it like this, professing to contend for the faith. They became fools. They became pretenders and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Look at verse 24 of Romans 1. Here it is. Therefore, in light of what was just said, here's what God's going to do. God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, 25, and I quoted it earlier, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Wow. Wow. They became futile in their thoughts. They began to pretend And their foolish hearts were darkened. They were not contenders. They were pretenders. They professed to be wise. They professed to contend for Jesus. But they really were just fools pretending to be for Jesus. And they exchanged the truth and all that goes with the truth for the lie. They said, God... We don't want you. We don't want your glory. We don't want your praise. No, we want to have the praise. We want to live in rebellion. We want to have stiff necks and hardened hearts. And the reality is that for those who walk in that vein, God is storing up wrath for the day to come. Are you contending? Or are you pretending? See, Jude in verses 3 through 4 again just simply said, I need to warn you. I need to warn you to contend earnestly for this faith. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. And they're turning the grace of God into lewdness. They're defaming His name. They're desecrating the name of Jesus. And when I think of a great warning, I think all the way back to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 through 21, simply says this, and listen closely to this warning, because if you're pretending today, this is the warning for you. The prophet Isaiah wrote this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he said this, Whoa! In other words, trouble is coming to those who call evil good and good evil 
who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe, trouble is coming, he's saying, to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Back in that Old Testament, and you look at those kids of Israel and how they rebelled and complained and turned from God time after time. And the text tells us that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Woe to them and woe to us today. Woe to anyone today listening who is turning the grace of God into a license to live for the enemy. Woe, trouble is coming. Contend, church, contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. God will reward and bless those who follow Him in obedience. Let Him handle the consequences of you following Him. Trust Him and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And even if none go with you, be determined, be resolute today to drive a stake in the ground that says that for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if any do not go with me, I'm still following Jesus. So are you contending? Or are you pretending? Here's our takeaway question for today. Write it down. Takeaway question. Am I truly contending for the faith in my life, my family, and my church? Question for you and me today, be truthful. Am I truly contending for the faith in my life, my family, and my church? If the answer you're giving is no, then you have a great opportunity right now to repent and turn from that. And that's why our action step is simply this. I resolve today, like right now, to contend for the faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. That could be and should be your action step today if you're not walking with Christ. If you answer no to our takeaway question, I pray that this is your action step that you are going to own and be determined to live for all the days of your life that I resolve today, right now, to contend for the faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the reality is simply this. You cannot, you cannot coast in your walk with the Lord and somehow expect to grow closer to the Lord. You can't do it. The reality is you cannot coast in your walk with Jesus and then somehow expect that you're going to grow closer in your walk with Him and be more intimate with Him. And it's high time we begin to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Because we are all being discipled by something. Oh, yes, we are. Every one of us, myself included, are being discipled by something. The question is, are you and I being conformed to the image of Christ? Or is the truth we're being conformed to the image of the world? Are we being conformed and pressed into the mold of Christ and shaped into His likeness? Or is the truth that you and I are being conformed, pressed into the mold and the image of the world and being conformed to its likeness? One man long ago said it so well. The way to cover our sin is to uncover it by confession. It was once said as well that what we uncover, Christ by His blood covers. But what we cover and conceal, on that day, Christ will pull back and uncover for all to see. Oh, which one are you? 
Are you contending for the faith or are you pretending for the faith? Oh, I pray today by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ that you will live and be determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified all the days, all the days of your life. And to Him be the praise. And to Him be the glory who reigns on high, our King Jesus. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.